0: Hi, welcome back to Zone. I'm your host, Carolyn Bailey. These continuing interviews on intersectional veganism and related issues are in association with VegFest UK. In our interview today, Roger and I are pleased to welcome our special guest, Mary Lawrence. Mary is a vegan chef and wellness educator. She's also a board member of the American Vegan Society and a frequent speaker at vegan events in the United States. She holds a certificate in plant-based nutrition, a BA in English and an MA in communication. Through advocacy that includes cooking classes and engaging conversations, Mary helps to make the vegan transition as easy as possible, more affordable and delicious. Mary's joining us today to speak about her brand new book, Eat Vegan With Me, a book which is about vegan-friendly food and much more. She also covers issues such as overcoming obstacles, gardening, self-care and much, much more. Mary, thanks for joining us today and welcome to ARZone. Thank you, it's great to be here. Mary, first of all, congratulations on the book. I really, really like it. Thank you. I mentioned that your book is more than a recipe book. You cover ethical issues, personal obstacles and other really important topics. And then you follow that up with some beautiful recipes. What motivated you to write a book about both ethics and recipes?
1: It's a good question because um, my first cookbook that I wrote was in 2014 called Easy Peasy Vegan Eats, and I did that because I teach cooking classes, I give presentations at public libraries, schools, a lot of free events that are open to the general public, and I want to try to make vegan food and the vegan lifestyle easy for people. So, you know, thinking about quick and easy recipes, basic ingredients but flavorful delicious presentations so people were often coming just out of curiosity and then they would say to me i'm just here because i want to learn some new recipes how to cook some vegetables but i don't want to go vegan i say okay and then at the end of the presentation they would come up to me and say you make eating vegan look so easy and the food is delicious and then they want to learn more but then they tell me the only problem is they don't know what their family will think or they don't want to be the only vegan in their family or, you know, they're just hesitant because it seems so overwhelming to them. And that was the consensus that I would get from a lot of the classes that people themselves would be won over, but then they'd feel very unsure about how to go about doing it and making it a part of their life when they have a whole family to feed. So all those questions kind of I accumulated over the past three years of, um, you know, what to do at holidays, what to do when you have kids or picky eaters. So these are some of the issues that I address in the book. And really, it's about making the food not only tasty and presentable, but in a way that's not preachy to present the message of eating compassionately along with eating delicious food and that you don't need to harm any animals in the process so that to me seemed like an area it was covered in some ways in some books and also the advocacy aspect of uh, what I do so activism and I kind of think about it as everyday activism it seemed to be you would either have a book just on that or a cookbook but not really the two together so that's kind of why i Thought it would be a good idea to combine the two.
0: Sounds great, Mary. I often hear that we need to show in your potential vegans how to live vegan as much as why they should live vegan. And I think your book, and you just sort of touched on that, goes a long way to doing that. Was that one of the goals?
1: I think so, yes. Some people have said that to me too that, you know, we know why because. In the United States alone, 10 billion animals roughly are killed a year just to feed Americans their meat and dairy diets. And we know how destructive it is to the environment. If you watch the documentary Cowspiracy, and then if you watch the new documentary What the Health or Forks Over Knife, you find out how destructive it is to our personal health to eat animal products. So we know all the why, but right, the how part of how to do it on a regular basis. Those simple things that we as vegans, once you're vegan for a while, you kind of take for granted. But then if you look back and think about your very first few days as a vegan, it is a challenge to, you know, kind of overhaul your entire um, pantry to get new ingredients, to learn all those substitutions. So, yeah, the how of making it practical on a daily basis, as well as to do it in a way that is going to be fun and an adventure to people that you're um, cooking for and cooking with. I think that is really important too so that it doesn't sound like it's, um, you know, taking things away from people. Instead you're adding and you're making hopefully
0: food more exciting and adventurous. I agree with you. I remember when I first started living vegan, I think I ate the same meal for about about (laughs) a month.
1: (laughs) and i'm sure it's good and i you know i I kind of get into those habits too but the average person really only eats about three to five different kinds of um, meals on a regular basis anyway so it's just figuring out some staples to start with exactly yeah
2: well speaking for myself i still eat the same meal and i've been vegan since 1979 so um it uh, must be good (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah it must be yeah it's yeah yeah yeah, cereals or something. Um, actually, you, you, you say about the why and the how, Mary. But I, I sometimes think that the the why is often neglected over the, the kind of how, but you, you don't agree with that, no?
1: Well, I think it's covered in a lot of books, but certainly it's not in the forefront. When people are eating a meal, they're often just thinking, I'm hungry, what can I put on the table? What can I, you know, make that's quick? And that unfortunately becomes, I think, part of our habits, our eating habits, is convenience food and fast food. And then when you're eating mindlessly, you're not thinking of what it takes to get, you know, the food into the restaurant or, you know, produced into the grocery store. When you become more mindful, yes, that's when you do start thinking of the whys. Like, you know, why do I want to support these industries that are, you know, violent, that they're uh, they cause suffering in the world. They I think about not just the animals, not just the environment, but I think about uh, slaughterhouse workers and farm workers who essentially have to desensitize themselves in order to do the kind of work that they do on a daily basis. So for me as a consumer, I ask myself, that's the mindful part. Do I want to support an industry that causes essentially trauma in these employees and essentially many of them have PTSD as a result of their work? And and right, I consciously think about that and that helped me make the decision because it's initially for 20 years ago is when I changed my diet initially for health reasons but the more I researched and the more I thought about that again becoming mindful I started to question what I was supporting and um, I think only when you do take that step when you start really connecting the dots that's hopefully, when people make the connection of what they're doing and what they're contributing to in this world. So I do write about that in the book as well.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's a really important point because I think the research even suggests that if people don't engage with the ethics of the situation, then they're liable to stop, you know, living vegan, as it, as it were, whereas the ethical vegans tend to stay vegan. So I don't think it really matters how people move into the idea of uh, veganism. I think it's important that they engage with the ethics fairly soon after they do that. Yeah,
1: Right. I think that's a really good point. As you said, it doesn't matter how you get there. But and then the idea of continuing to educate yourself to not just stop with, oh, I found some really good food that makes me feel good, that I've lost weight. um, I've got a lot of energy. But then to continue to do the research and say, well, why is this food so good? And, you know, how is it contributing to the overall Effects of the health of the planet. And that's when I think it really becomes a bigger issue. And then you start realizing how we as humans can, can contribute to what's going on in the world. And in a way, that too can be very empowering. I think being a mindless consumer, you're just kind of caught up with being stressed out all the time and just eating whatever you can, uh, whatever you're told to eat by advertisers. And you don't think that you actually have control in that process. You feel like you're almost, I wouldn't say a victim because we all have a choice, but um, you just become so caught up in that mindless cycle of not thinking about what you're doing and what you're contributing to. But when you take a step away from it and you realize you can say no to all of that, that's when it really becomes a sense of empowerment that you can control not only what you're doing, but what effects you have on those around you.
0: Mary, I mentioned in the intro that one of the issues you address in your book is overcoming obstacles. What are some of the more common obstacles a lot of vegans face and what advice might you have for those vegans on how to overcome them?
1: Right. Well, one of them as I mentioned when I teach my classes is just that idea of being the lone vegan and many people have addressed this as well in advocacy, but um I think it is a a realistic concern that people have is how to interact in social situations. They don't want to make other people feel uncomfortable. Um, And this is something that I do address in the book. Many people, I think especially women, were conditioned to be people pleasers to some extent, were conditioned to not upset others and not have conflict While I'm not saying that as a vegan you should be judging people all the time or intentionally causing conflict, I think there is a concern that people might have that if they say the word vegan or if they say I'm not eating what you, you know, have traditionally eaten, uh, especially at holidays when you tell your – for me, I'm part Italian, so if I would tell my Italian grandmother I'm not eating that lasagna, you know, you you have concerns that you're going to offend somebody. So – It's a delicate balance to try to stay true to your values while also not offending people. So that is an an issue that I address in the book. Really, it's about communication. In addition to running my vegan personal chef service, in addition to teaching cooking classes, I teach English part-time at a community college. When I'm teaching, these are some of the issues that come up as well. We have class discussions about current events like race and gender issues and the environment. I think another problem, a difficulty is education as well, having that information available. Sometimes it can seem overwhelming. Fortunately, we have the Internet, which is gives us access to so much information. But I think the average person coming into it might feel a sense of not only being overwhelmed, but what can you trust, what is true, What research should should you believe? Because you're often going against decades of tradition of being taught that we need meat and dairy to be healthy. And even our doctors, many of them don't have nutrition backgrounds, and they tell us we need to eat meat and dairy. So that can be a challenge when you're going against what everyone else in your circle might be telling you, and then you've just met this vegan chef who's teaching a cooking class at a library who suddenly changes everything that you've thought of. So, that I think can be very difficult for people to just have that cognitive dissonance of just like things being completely different from what they've learned in their socialization. Thanks for that, Mary.
2: So, Mary, you talk about uh, family relations in the book, and you just mentioned that a few minutes ago as well. As a sociologist, I know this is like a tricky one for sure. Um, I've spoken about how family baggage can accompany many interactions with family members. It's also been noted that lessons in morality are usually handed down from the elders to the younger people in the family. With many younger people taking the moral lead in veganism, however, there's often kind of a break in that pattern. So you talk about a disruption of family dynamics in, in in that kind of sense, I think. And you say that being open and honest with family members is very important. So can you say a little bit more about that?
1: Yes, it is a challenge, and I have to say, so I've been vegan for 20 years, probably the first five to seven years. I think, you know, you get the chiding, you get the uh, comments at the dinner table. It's difficult at first. I will acknowledge that. For anyone that's a new vegan that's listening right now, just know that it may be difficult, depending on your family dynamics. So I do make recommendations in the book, some things such as setting ground rules. So having a conversation outside of the dinner table, but where you just explain to your family how important it is for you to be true to your values, to be living a lifestyle that is important, and that is compassionate and just. And let them know that this is not something you're doing on a whim that you've done the research, that you've educated yourself, and that it's something that you see as a responsible step as an individual in our society. So I think having that kind of a conversation, it may seem awkward at first, but letting people know that you are responsible and that you are not just doing this on a whim, it's really important. I think it's also important to let people know that joking at your expense is not something that's respectful and let, you know, I think it's good for a vegan to take a stand and say that wasn't funny and to be, feel okay to let people know it's not funny to make a joke about animals being killed or about your concern for animals. Um, and unfortunately that does happen because I think people do feel, somewhat defensive over their lifestyles, and they feel like the vegan is coming along and judging them. Even if you're not necessarily saying words of judgment, sometimes people do feel defensive and judged just when they know that you're vegan. And I've had that experience as well. So that's really important to kind of make clear with your family. The other thing I would say too is just expect not everyone is going to be on the same page as you. So if you do get even after having that kind of a discussion, if you do get comments that are disrespectful, you can let somebody know that was, you know, that was not respectful. I I respect you as a person, uh, and I would appreciate you respect me as well. So these conversations can be difficult. I've had them with my family members, and so for the last five years now, we've been having vegan Thanksgivings. I do the vegan cooking And it's all at my house, so I get to make the entire menu, and it's amazing. I think just within the last year or so, so it's a small family, four of us, just within the last year or so, after me being vegan for 20 years, they are are starting to actually request more vegan foods. And my brother, who is a year older than me, on his 50th birthday, he um, actually said to me, that he hadn't eaten meat in three weeks. So for me, that was a huge accomplishment. And then this Christmas, he actually requested tofu marsala for the entree. So we had a vegan Christmas as well. So things take time. This is my point. And it's just a matter of staying positive. I would always have vegan food available, but then there would sometimes be a meat dish served as well. But this is the first year we had an entirely vegan Christmas and fifth year we've had a vegan Thanksgiving. So I would just say just stay true to your values, stay positive, keep making the delicious food, keep sharing delicious food with your family, and also remind them why you're doing it. And just, you know, envision what you want to happen for these holidays, for these family get-togethers. Because when you're positive, you give off that sense of positive energy that other people respond to as well
2: yeah yeah Th- thanks great great answer and that i really appreciate i i taught the sociology of humor i really appreciate what you said about joking because there's a real serious side to joking mm. going back to the first point it's really kind of absent reference thing you know like um the dinner table is probably the worst place to have a conversation about veganism and yet it's 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 that time when people start asking vegans all these questions
1: yeah i know there's uh different points of view on how to handle that and i've gone both ways at first i would do the default of saying we can talk about that after dinner but now i actually say we can talk about that now if you're ready to hear what i will tell you and i and i will tell them that it's going to be honest and truthful and then i ask them if they want to hear that And sometimes just knowing when I preface it that way, they say, "Mm, maybe I'll wait till later. Sometimes (laughs) kind (laughs) kind of
2: are you ready to hear this?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I think that gives it the seriousness that it deserves rather than it being a joke. And I think that does make people stop and think that if they are going to ask a question, it better be a serious question and it better be an honest curiosity rather than just an attempt to make you feel uncomfortable or put out.
0: I think that's brilliant advice, Mary. I really appreciate that. You also give some really helpful advice in the book on assertive communication techniques. I wanted to ask you about this because in recent times I've seen an increase in so-called reducitarian logic in the vegan community where vegans are being told that we ought not speak up in difficult situations and should instead eat and use other animals in order to avoid upsetting non-vegans. I've also seen a number of gotcha scenarios put forward by reducetarians who aim to back vegans into a corner which forces them to eat other animals rather than helping us to navigate those difficult situations and to avoid harming others it seems to me that helping vegans to navigate difficult situations would be far more productive than convincing us to eat other animals. Do you have any advice for vegans who might have been taken in by this strategy, specifically in terms of assertive communication techniques?
1: I will acknowledge it is very difficult and very uncomfortable when you are put in those kinds of situations. So if you're a vegan and you're thinking of a response, just know that that feeling that you're having, that gut reaction is a sense that it's telling you that you need to stick with what's right for you. You need to stick with what's true for you as far as why you're vegan. If you're vegan because you feel that we have no right to kill another being that deserves to live, if you feel like you don't want to contribute to violence in this world, if you feel like all those other reasons that I mentioned about not wanting to contribute to human suffering because of those who are employed in these businesses that essentially desensitize them from what their actions are because they are killing animals on a daily basis. For any of those reasons, remember that when you're responding and think to yourself, do I want to condone any of that? Um, To me, it's a matter of speaking with authenticity. So not just being assertive, but authentic. So if you're doing it for all those reasons, all those ethical reasons, I think there's no way to compromise, you would have to say that the goal is to always be vegan. So you want to live true to your values. And the responses that you give would also be authentic as well. So honest, authentic, but also respectful that somebody might not yet be where you are. So I think that's the important step. So it's um, if somebody is moving in the direction of vegan and they're starting by cutting back on, say, they're not eating meat, like my brother, for example, um, when he turned 50, he stopped eating meat. I didn't chastise him. I didn't say, oh, you should be vegan and, you know, judge him at that point. But I just said, that's great. So I gave him positive encouragement that he's moving in that direction. Um, And as I said, when he asked for tofu marsala for Christmas, I was just like, I'm so excited. And I just, our dinner conversation was so positive this year. And it was Mm -hmm. great to always be encouraging of those steps towards going vegan. People do it. Some people go vegan overnight. Some people, as I said, start by giving up meat. They're vegetarian for a while. I had a friend who was vegetarian for 35 years. And I would always point out to him the you know, tell him the truth about what goes on with the dairy industry, how baby cows are taken from their mothers. And it's an emotional detachment that's just as traumatic as the, you know, physical violence of killing a baby cow for veal. And I would explain that to him. and He'd be like, don't tell me about that. You're going to make me not want to eat cheese anymore. I said, okay, <laughs> think about it. And, um, so yeah so he's been vegan now for eight years so <laughs> as a result of these conversations and that's the thing it's like i think it is just a matter of honestly sharing the truth to people that may not be aware of it or they may you know say they don't want to hear about it and then you'll say okay we'll just research it when you're ready to look into it
0: i agree with what you have said and i think that um being respectful particularly is something that's really, really important, both toward other vegans and toward non vegans and people who are who are transitioning and and starting to become vegan. I guess the thing that concerns me is when we have reducitarians suggesting to vegans that if they're put in a position of, say, somebody cooking a dead rabbit for you or somebody cooking a meal that contains animals or animal products and the reducetarians would suggest that you only have one choice when you're sitting at the table under such a c- circumstance is to eat the animal product or the animal who's on your plate because to to not do so would be disrespectful and you would offend the person who cooked the other animal for you and instantly turn them away from veganism forever and i guess my concern is that there are people supporting this idea when what I think would be a much better approach would be to help vegans to understand that they can use assertive communication techniques to say no we don't have to say no you're a bad person for cooking this rabbit for me we can say no and we can be polite and we can be friendly and respectful and humble and gracious in the way that we say no it's the way that we communicate with other people which, right. is go- which is going to impact on how they feel about us and how they feel about veganism. We don't have to be s- submissive and just say, yes, okay, I'll eat that kangaroo or I'll eat that rabbit or I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just please like me.
1: Yeah, right. And I'm nodding my head through this. And <laughs> in some situation, I mean, you could say almost that scenario is a little absurd, but on a regular basis I think of, so I have neighbors and Christmas My neighbors exchange, you know, just informally exchange gifts, often homemade gifts. And one of my neighbors, it was her tradition to, she would make a cream cheese, nut and raisin spread and, you know, put it in a nice little jar and label it. And I said to her, oh, that's really sweet of you. That's so nice that you make homemade gifts for people. And I said, if I hate to tell you that I'm vegan, I didn't want to apologize for myself, but at the same time, this was like, I moved here three years ago, so it was the first like interaction with a neighbor. <laughs> yeah. So, so I kind of like, not at my expense, but I, you know, said that because I didn't want to make her feel uncomfortable. I said, I really appreciate it, but I said, I'm not going to be able to eat it. But then we had a discussion about it a little bit. She was not offended. She was curious to know because she had heard about those vegans, <laughs> so I got to meet one, and, you know, I was pleasant, I guess, and then the next day or a day or two later, she came over, and she had a jar of homemade applesauce, and she said, I also have a tradition of making applesauce, so she brought me that, and that was really sweet, and it was probably some of the best applesauce I had ever eaten, so now that's the tradition. She makes applesauce for me and the other neighbor she, she makes the cream cheese. And I give her vegan chocolate. So. <laughs> that's um, nice. Yeah, so it's like, again, there may be some discomfort at first, but it is, like you said, just a matter of being really respectful and... Appreciative, I was so appreciative of her generous uh, offer, but then letting her know that, because, you know, I think it is like an ethical issue. And I explained that to her. It's not just my diet, but for ethical reasons. And that's kind of been an ongoing every once in a while we have conversations about that. But I think yeah. that also gives you an opportunity to educate somebody as well.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Mary. I think it's just really important for people to know that these gotcha situations There are ways out
2: of them. Yeah, you've got got some great advice there, Mary. Um, Of course, the other side of that kind of coin, if you like, is the fact that, you know, if people see that vegans are kind of kind of violating their own principles, they're just going to go, well, you know, they don't take their own morality seriously. You know, that's the other side of it, isn't it?
1: Yes, certainly. Um, right. Once you, the question is, once you start compromising your ethics, then, oh, how far will you go? Then maybe you can compromise more and more and then they'll eventually eventually get you to go back to becoming a non-vegan. I think that, unfortunately, can happen sometimes in scenarios. Um, and I hate to say in social situations with some friends who are not supportive. Um, and I've been in dating situations as well, where I've dated a non-vegan or I've gone out to dinner with non-vegans and it almost seems like yes they're trying to bring you back into the fold um, you know pull you away from your ethics because they maybe they feel uncomfortable maybe it's just easier for them or just for whatever reason I think it's that social mentality if everyone has to be the same if you're in a group or if you're dating somebody that is a whole tricky issue as well
2: yeah yeah i agree with that um you um i want to talk to you about uh, planting seeds you talk about this concept of planting seeds in the book mary and it's really good um the the question really is kind of like how can we reassure ourselves that this is a positive approach in terms of our long term goals because you know planting seeds is not the most kind of dramatic thing that we can do but um, i mean i think it's very important and it seems that you do too yeah
1: Right. And unfortunately, you know, as activists, sometimes, especially when you're first starting out and you're a new vegan, you want people to immediately have that light go off just like it did for you and immediately become vegan. Unfortunately, the reality that doesn't always happen. In fact, it rarely happens. So that's why I do think the idea of planting seeds is each time you have a conversation, each time you present yourself in this positive way and explain in a way that people understand they emotionally connect. I really think it's important to tell your story of why you're vegan and why it matters to you. So not just, oh, it's about vegan cupcakes, but it's what goes on to produce the food. So those little uh, bits of information, they add up. And when they meet, meet another vegan, hopefully they'll get another positive reinforcement. So that's why I think it's about gardening. So you plant the seeds, somebody else waters the seed by talking about it some more. Each time they, you know, watch another documentary or you know, read a magazine or see some article that's about veganism in a positive way, each time it's continuing to cultivate that seed and helping it grow such that eventually you reap the war- rewards and somebody becomes vegan hopefully. And I I do say that because as a gardener, I'm a gardener and I know I have to have faith that eventually all of my work is going to pay off um fortunately teaching and uh, giving these presentations all the time i have um, a couple of examples i read about in the book of people coming up to me years later and talking to me after i've given a presentation saying i i saw you give a cooking demonstration at whole Foods seven years ago and i'm vegan now so um That, to me, is very rewarding, and I've had students, I teach English part-time, and one of my students, because I talk about this stuff in class, even though I'm teaching how to write, I'm also teaching about what's going on in the world. Uh, One of my students came up to me, saw me um, a couple years after I taught him, and saw him in the hallway, and I noticed he had lost a significant amount of weight, and he said, Yeah, guess what? I'm vegan. After I took your class, I started researching. I told them about calisthenia, and he said I saw those documentaries, and he said he went vegan right after that class. So I do know it happens, and that's why it's so important to always talk about it. And I also say in the book to always use the the V word to say vegan because it's about the lifestyle rather than plant-based, which is about a diet and even though you know if somebody comes to veganism because of health reasons like i did 20 years ago to always plant that seed of veganism to have them think as we already mentioned about the ethics behind it so um that really i think makes it stick more
2: yeah yeah that's that's a great answer i i, I love that and uh, i um i used to teach mature students in north wales and i did a course once and um <laughs> in the in the end a uh a farmer, believe it or not, went, went vegan, so I was planting seeds there. But, you know, the, the important point is that I think uh, a lot of animal advocates make a mistake about this. They often say things like, you know, I saw that video or I saw that X, whatever it was, and that made me go vegan. And I actually think it's more like a jigsaw that what they're remembering mm-hmm. is the final piece going down. But there's a lot mm-hmm. of um, seed planters before that, you know, and, and yes. all, all they're remembering is the final bit but there's a lot of other people putting all 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 the bits in you know before that.
1: Yes, it all contributes. I love that analogy.
2: I agree with that too. I love the idea of planting seeds. I've
0: always thought that it's it's really really important and I think it's also worth mentioning that it's another reason to be respectful when we're speaking with non-vegans because As we're planting those seeds, we can also plant negative seeds. So if we're not respectful with those people, the next person who may come along and speak with that person about veganism, they may not be as receptive to them as they would be if we had been respectful. So I think that that's something that's worth keeping in mind as well.
1: Yeah, and you know, I'm glad you pointed that out too, because also as a gardener, there's weeding involved. And that's Mm -hmm. what I think too, too. There are people that come in to advocacy in a very negative, judgmental way, um, you know, they just yelling and uh, <laughs> in your face. And I know this is it's a very emotional issue. You can get very angry at times. But I also say that you have to kind of pull back on that anger mm. and realize where somebody else is. So that is like kind of weeding those thoughts out of your or those, um, those emotional extremes, kind of just like um, staying even and focused. So. Weeding out negativity from others, but also weeding out our own negativity, I think, is really important.
0: Absolutely. Mary, before we let you go today, do you have a favorite recipe from your book?
1: Oh, gee. Well, you know, I'm just going to say what I made recently, which is a dirty blondie tart. It's the recipe that's on the cover of the book. There is a video of it. So for anyone interested in learning how to make it, you can um, check out the video on YouTube on my Uh, Well on Wheels channel, but it's made with garbanzo beans, oatmeal, and coconut, and it's pulsed together in a food processor. There's chocolate chips, pecans, and toasted coconut on the top, and I like serving it with a maple pumpkin butter sauce. It's delicious this this time of the year for us. It's really cold right now, so it's a nice, delicious comfort food for dessert. I think it's kind of a twist on the traditional blondies. They're, you know, the chocolate chip brownie, but um, but it's got all those extra
0: ingredients in there. So. Sounds delicious. Mary, thank you so much for joining us today. Congratulations again on the book. I really, really liked it. Thank you also for everything that you're continuing to do on behalf of both humans and other animals.
1: Thank you. I've enjoyed being here. You're so welcome. No of the Animal king. This is past maturity No member of the animal kingdom Ever did a thing to me Why so I don't need red meat or white fish Don't give me no blue
0: cheese We're all members of the